You're listening to Auto D coming at you live. Which way? What? When? How? Mr. Auto D flip the track right now. Hey, everybody! Thanks for tuning in on this beautiful Monday evening here in Scottsdale, Arizona. I am your host, Otto Daniolo, broadcasting live from Dave Pratt's Star Worldwide Network Studios, high above Camelback Road. And my guest on the Otto D Show this evening is one of the hardest working indie artists out there in country music. Today, she's uh, maintained a national tour schedule of about 150 shows a year since 2014. Her name is Kayla Kay, and she'll be with us right after a song called Dead in the Water from the Fervor Records catalog. You know what? I'm going to change my mind. (laughs) And we're going to actually start with one of Kayla's songs, a tune called Rockport. Check this out. She left Rockport in December. She had nothing left to lose. Daddy died the prior winter. Mama fell in love with booze. Cashed in all her pennies She'd been saving for so long She asked the neighbors to watch the house As she nailed the last board on Hello goodbye, hello freedom Here's all the miles that build you along the way Hello hard times and hello demons Here's all the nights when you choose she thought New Orleans was the coolest She'd never seen that shit before They had cold case files and voodoo smiles And blues men on joy But the darkness of the city Began to show around her eyes She found comfort in the needle And daddy stub nose 45 Hello, goodbye, hello, freedom Fell in love with 
listening to Auto D coming at you live. And that was Rockport by Kayla Kay here on the Auto D Show, which is brought to you this evening by Fervor Records and Fauna Films. Check out Fervor at F-E-R-V-O-R hyphen records.com and check out Fauna Films at F-A-N-N-A films.com. And so without further delay, let me welcome to the show singer-songwriter Kayla Kay. How are you doing, Kayla? I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing great. And where are you today? Uh, I'm actually out in Sacramento, California today. How's the weather? Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Th- that was a wonderful song. Where did Rockport come from? Where did that song come from? Uh, you know, um, that's, this song, actually, uh, there are two covers on this record, and that is one of them. A dear friend of mine uh, named John Dews wrote that song. And just after a gig one night, he came up and he said, hey, started writing this song i'd like for you to hear it turns out it's the first song that he ever wrote which is absurd to me but i just i thought it was beautiful and uh, i wanted to cut it and that's pretty hard to do as a i fancy myself a songwriter so you know to <laughs> cut something that's not mine but it just i loved it i thought it was well you know great. when something resonates with you like that it kind of it kind of can become yours especially if it hadn't been cut yet had that been cut yeah. before you did it Oh no, not at all. Like okay. I said, it's the first song he ever wrote, and he just he had just written it uh, like you know that week. And oh, I didn't realize that. That's awesome. It's yeah, a great song, man. For a first song, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> I know. <laughs> kind of makes you mad as a songwriter. Just a, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, but I, I know what you mean. Sometimes, in fact, just talking about writing, I've found that sometimes I'll write a song and go, "Oh, that's not for me," and so mm-hmm. you, you kind of leave it on the on the shelf. And other tune, other times you write a song and you know you're the one who's going to cut that tune. Um, for you, have you written songs for other artists? I have a few things that have been cut by some other folks. Um, mostly, you know, I'm from Texas originally, and so, uh, you know, it's mostly stuff that people out on that circuit cut. Um, a friend of mine, Larry Hooper, who's an incredible songwriter, he actually cut a co-write of ours on his last record, and um, I think there are a few others that are being tracked right now. So. Cool. Now, how many songs would you say you've written in your career? Oh, man. That's really hard to say. I mean, I'd say 70 or 80 probably so okay. far. And right now, uh, Rockport was, uh, is a song that was released on your second album. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so uh, tell me a little bit about this second experience. I mean, I would imagine the first time was a bit different than the second time. And this time you were real pro. Uh, were you using some of the same people or new people on the second album? Uh, it was kind of some of both. Um, I used the same producer. Jason Eady is a songwriter of, of Texas also, and I just really love his stuff, and I actually worked for him um, early in my career. And so he produced my first record, and he and I have just spent enough time together that, you know, we're not fearful to be uh, honest if, if that's needed. And so I brought him back in, and I used the same engineer, Pat Mansky. He plays uh, for Joe Ely and the Flatlanders as uh, his full-time gig, but he's a great engineer, and um, so th- they were the same, and then pretty much everybody else was new. Um, I used some of my guys. I've got a road band called The Standards, and so I used some of them, and and then just some heroes in our scene that I really mm-hmm. love. And, but now, when you say in our scene, where is that centered? Is that centered around Waco still, or where? No, I would say like just the the Southern Circuit. Texas has a you know a, a pretty decent circuit. You can certainly make a living. So there, all the way up through the Midwest, is kind of what I do mm-hmm. most often. I'm still working to branch out, but um, Texas, just basically that I-35 corridor. Mm-hmm. You know. Now, you were were you born in or near Waco? Is that kind of where you, you grew mm-hmm. up? 
Yes, uh, there's a little town just south of Waco called Robinson. That's where I grew up. Okay. Uh, and then how old were you when you left Waco? Hmm. Waco just kind of sticks with you. I don't know if you ever really leave. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you go to high school in the area? Or, I mean, did you, with your family, did you guys always, as the family stayed in Texas, stayed in the same area? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I spent a majority of my upbringing with my grandparents, and they've lived in the same house for 52 years, you know. So mm-hmm. um, they certainly are always you know, there. And, um, but I don't know. I started traveling. I took that first road gig. I just turned 21 and I hadn't really stopped since then. I was playing out somewhere, but not so much out of town. But um, yeah, pretty much as soon as I was old enough to vote and jump in a car. Interesting. And now yeah. have you always, have you always written or did you, were you on the road for a while before you started writing songs? Uh, you know, I've kind of always written just, you know, as a kiddo, it seemed like there were always songs rolling around, but I didn't start, um, taking my writing very seriously until probably about then, 18 or 19, when I began to, uh, you know, start looking at the world and think, like, I've got something to say about this. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's awesome. And is guitar the first instrument you've ever played? Mm, pretty much. I plunked around on a piano in grade school, and you could hardly call that playing, I think. So mm-hmm. guitar is uh, the first, and then I also play bass, too. Okay. And now, were you? Mm-hmm. Are you one of like a huge family of twenty kids? You know, or is this your only child? Or what was your growing up? Yeah, not really. Um, I'm my mother's only child, and then um, my dad has two other boys that are quite a bit younger than I am. But um, since I was with my grandparents, it was definitely a only child type mm-hmm. situation mm-hmm. with them. But uh, man, I, I wouldn't trade it. I had some experiences that a lot of people miss. You know, just I called it uh, growing up in a hillbilly bubble, kind of right. Yeah. Well, your style is very classic country as opposed to modern pop country. So I would I would think you grew up listening to a lot of uh, a lot of the old standard stuff. Oh yeah, my grandmother loved it, and she was so good about um, enjoying the history of music and the stories of the writers of these songs. We would just sit around and pick them apart for hours and hours. And um, she and I very much shared a love for that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it probably just came by proxy, you know, that I didn't really have a choice about what we were listening to. But I also um, you know, didn't end up there by accident. I was kind of around some very adult things from a very young age, and there was something about, you know, somebody singing about a situation that's truthful, you know, even mm-hmm. if it's full of hurt or whatever that made me feel not so isolated in that. And I think that was my initial draw to country music, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, okay, that's just, it's fascinating. Now, on this new record, how many cuts were there? Uh, Twelve. And did you write, you said there were a couple covers, so did you write about ten of those tunes? Uh, I did. Um, the other cover is really interesting. Actually, Aaron Enderland, who I'm playing with uh, Thursday. Uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. A, at the, yeah. Uh, at the, uh, what's the name of that place? I believe it's the Fiddler's Dream. Fiddler's Dream, that's the one. Yeah, that's going to be a fun show. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, she is a Nashville-based writer, and so she has all these, you know, cool things just laying around. And I went up a few years ago, and she gave me some unreleased Keith Whitley demos. And of those demos, this song, Once a Week Cheaters, that we cut, um, is actually an unreleased released Keith Whitley song. Cool. Yeah. And it was he was just begging somebody to cut it, and nobody did, so it landed in your lap? Pretty much. I mean, he wrote it, you know, and then he died at 34, and so he pretty much he died before he had a chance to cut it. Mm-hmm. I remember so, I was yeah. lucky. Uh, I did a lot of work with Glenn Campbell years and years ago. And he had his publishing company, and Brian White was signed to his publishing company. And uh, oh, yeah. so I, when I would call, I'd call the office in Nashville and tell him I'm cutting a country record and I need some tunes. I'd always get 
Brian's song shipped to me, and I kept thinking, man, these songs are great. Who is this guy? But uh, they, were yeah. all, they were all tunes Brian didn't cut, but it was so much fun uh, having an opportunity to run into material uh, by some great writers like that that, that they don't cut, uh, and you feel like you can mm-hmm. really find some gems. And then uh, for you now, uh, do you have a favorite song of what you've written on the record of your own tunes? Oh, man, that's really hard to say. Um, you know, you spend so long tuning on this stuff that it's kind of your baby. But um, 1963 is very autobiographical. Um, my grandmother, like I mentioned, who raised me, uh, she was Chickasaw Indian and 411. And I just, she was my best friend. She passed away a few days before I released my first record. So mm. uh, this next record has just kind of been about the journey that, you know, she was my pretty much a uh, big form of stability in my life. And so, you know, when you were a kid, you think everybody's invincible. Right. And for that to just, you know, disappear, it's been really interesting. So this whole record's kind of a journey through, you know, like the things I experienced after that. But uh, 1963 is a good layout of the time I spent with them. So it's probably the one that I'm most partial to. It's certainly not the most commercial, but... Okay. And do you feel that your style is... Um becoming more Kayla K. Do you feel, or do you feel like it's, it was from the first record or do you feel like you're still discovering yourself? Oh, that's hard to say. And I, I hate to, um, I think there might've been some kind of type of, my name's actually Kayla Ray. With an R. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, no, it's okay. Um, but I think, you know, as an artist, if you're not constantly growing and changing, then, you know, maybe it's time to evaluate. Certainly. I think that there's been, uh, growth as far as arrangement and stuff in this second record and I'm learning to be more sure of, of my ability you know and not being too worried about uh, it's like the build it and they will come thing you know right so I'm, I'm always trying to grow and change and just see what you know sticks okay now this new record's only been out for a little while it's been out for mm-hmm. less than a month correct mm-hmm. we released May 4th okay and so uh, we, what kind of response are you getting from your uh, media partners from radio uh, so far, it's been great. Texas, you know, their circuit is super supportive. And there's this underground Americana insurgents thing happening, and everybody's been super, um, super welcoming. And I'm just, I'm curious to see how it goes. It's been, it's on a few Spotify lists, you know, for music like that. And then, you know, all those different fan groups, the Cody Jinx groups have kind of really latched onto it. So it's been, it's been awesome so far. Cool. Well, I know that your first release, I think it was, um, was, Love and Liquor, was that a 20, 2014 when that record came out? Mm-hmm. You got a lot of uh, great response to that record. Uh, a lot of people were pretty impressed with the uh, the way that you kind of stuck from stuck to that uh, old country-style influence, and you got some, some great reviews. Yeah, I was really thankful for that, and blown away since it was my debut record, you know, and released yeah. independently. It's, it's just, it's been really interesting, but um, I was very proud of that. I wrote all the songs on that record and just went in and made the music I knew how to make at that time in my life. And so, you know, to have any a single positive response is winning, you know, in right. my book. So I was exactly. grateful for that. Great. Well, you know what? Since you mentioned 1963, I'd like to, to uh, spin that track real quick. And, okay. Uh, do you want to sure. tell me a little bit about it? Who Who's playing on it? Do you want to give me the names of the guys? Or Oh, yeah. Um, I was pretty uh, hell-bent on that. Um, Buckeye Allen is a piano player out here. His dad is Terry Allen, who's a legendary Texas songwriter. Um and he's a great piano player also. But Buckeye played keys, and we didn't use anything. He just played, you know, plain old piano. There were no pads or no, you know, electronic. Um, and then Ray Rodriguez played drums on this record. He plays with Walt Wilkinson and the Sicaros. I love them. Um, 
And our steel player was Jeff Queen. He also played dobro. Oh, cool. And that's my yeah, favorite. So. That's my favorite instrument. I think when you got somebody who can really play, I just dobro oh, yeah. is just incredible to me. <laughs> oh, and by I think him, it's pretty expressive. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And by the way, there's no there's no uh, typo here. All the Kayla K I've been saying is just me being dyslexic. I've got Kayla Ray oh, in my right. notes in front of me, and every time I say your name, I'm reading Kayla Ray. I just for some reason chose to change your name for the for a while. No worries. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, That's totally okay. But I'll do my best to keep 1K and get and get it right the rest of the show. Um, so now let's listen to uh, this tune, which I really, it was the first song I listened to. I thought it was really, really great. And I dug the piano bit on it as well. So here is uh, oh, wow. 1963 by Kayla Ray. And this uh, album is Yesterday and Me.
You're listening to R.O.D. coming at you live. And that was 1963 from Kayla Ray and her album Yesterday and Me. It's a great, great song. I love that track. Thank you very much. Now, um, when I was wondering, too, while I was listening, is this the first trip you've made to Phoenix to play, this gig that's coming up at Fiddler's Dream? It is, yeah. It's only, um, this will be my second Arizona gig ever. I played uh, last summer in Bisbee. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It you, looks like you, a really cool room. I was going to say, you're in Metro Phoenix this time. It's a little bit bigger than Bisbee. Yeah, it'll be cool. It'll be a different experience. Now, how long have you been on the road in this trip since you've been out? Um, let's see. I Pretty much since the 4th when I released this record. Erin had been out a week longer than that. She came down and routed down from Nashville. Um, so, And then for the first half, we took the guys out um, all the way up to Iowa, and then she and I branched out acoustic. So we've been out for two or three weeks, I guess. Okay. How many guys were in the band when you were out with everybody? Oh, man, I love my guys. There was, uh, with all of us, including Aaron, there were six of us total. Um, we had, you know, uh, we usually just shove with a four-piece with just Telly, but we also added a pedal steel player for this run. So. Okay, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. So now with Aaron, this is, uh, I guess this isn't the first time you guys have gone out together. No, this is the, I guess, third or fourth time we've done this. I have trouble remembering, um, but we met on, around in Lukenbach, Texas, she got added to it last minute. It was a Sunday afternoon round, and that's such a great place for songwriters to meet, especially we just both are super country music nerds. So mm-hmm. it was really awesome, and, you know, we hit it off right away, and we just kind of make it a point to go out at least once a year for a month and, and do this thing together. It's good for both of us. She lives in a very different world than I do, mm-hmm. you know, as far as um, the pressures of the industry she, you know, is ex- exposed to are pretty constant, and you know, while Texas comes with its own saying, everybody is still kind of fighting this independent fight. So, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. It's very interesting to see. But it's good. It is. It's a good change of pace for both of us, I think. I learn a lot um, about the business side of things with her. So. Well, she's kind of rooted in the Nashville process, you know, and she's had mm-hmm. some songs placed. Um, do you find that uh, you feel a little freer when you write than, than she describes she feels? Oh, I don't think so. She's so good about... I always say, like, it's one for the home team every time she gets a cut, you know, because right. she's just really good about being super honest with who she is and the things that she, you know, feels at the moment and wants to write about. So while she is certainly a, a player in the Nashville game, she's not really succumbed to too much of the machine, and that's been been really neat. So I think that she experiences quite a bit of freedom, too. It's just a she's a different kind of setting for it, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned that you guys were up in Iowa is that is Iowa a strange place for you coming from Texas? I've played a lot of bars in Iowa over the years. You know, the Midwest is so kind to us. I I love it. I love uh-huh. every place up there. It is definitely different, but I for whatever reason, man, everybody is great. You know, back home, a lot of people play. You know, uh-huh. and so it's it's hard to break out. And uh, the Midwest, I've just been hitting it so hard over the last few years that I, I've really met a lot of really great people up there. We played um, a little room called the Talk Shop Lounge one night and it's just this killer listening room looks like it's in the back of a rundown vfw and mm-hmm. we just always have the greatest time so i i really love it mm-hmm. and this is a new world with social media and, and bands performing do you find uh the following morning after a show that you've got a few youtube videos posted that you didn't know about people do a lot yeah. of video shooting <laughs> yeah. yeah sometimes it's great and sometimes it's a disaster you know uh, you used to be able to control your image you know with the pictures you took in the studio and the recordings you put out and these days man you just you just actually have to be good or everyone's going to know you're not that's about right 
And yeah. I, I think that's probably the reward for the people that have worked hard at their craft, that now every time there's a live video, yeah, there might be a bad note, but you can tell these guys really, they're good at what they're doing. So that's, well, that's a cool. good way to look at it. Most people are very close-minded about it. Well, I think if you want to be perfect, it's if you are a perfectionist, it's very, very difficult. And if you're a publicist, it's incredibly impossible because their job is to kind of control that image. But I mean, sure. so many we as a studio guy, we manufacture so many artists that to me, it's kind of fun to think, well, here's your record. You'll never be able to play it out, <laughs> you know, but, right. but it's yeah, nice absolutely. when a band can. It's nice when a singer can sing. And, and, you know, look, we just did a record and anybody who comes to see you is going to hear the same thing we just did. I think that's powerful. And, and I think for social media, that becomes a blessing to the talented, you know. Yeah, that's really smart. I think that's totally wise. And, you know, I have trouble. I, I hate to see a live show where it's the situation, you know, like you mentioned. I mm-hmm. I work really hard to make sure that I'm at least performing up to the par that we recorded, if not if not growing. And my guys are so good about that, too. I mean, they they will not let me get away with, you know, mm-hmm. being the chick singer of the group. And I love that. I, I genuinely do. They're all such great players. So um, that's interesting. Well, and you mentioned in, uh, earlier when you were talking about the guys, I know that you started managing a group of guys when you were young. <laughs> yeah. That is a strange tw- story to hear that a 20-year-old female starts managing a bunch of 40-year-old musicians. So tell me a little bit about how that came about. Oh, man. I, that was there's some of the greatest times of my life. Um, it was, I was doing all the tour management um, for Jason Eady. He is, he's really phenomenal. He's been releasing records for, shoot, he's got five or six out now. And I was just a, was a big fan of his stuff. Um, and at the time, he was very you know, like centrally, like Fort Worth located. He certainly has branched out a bunch since then. But um, anyway, I knew the guy that was playing guitar. And, uh, and of course, like as all country music stories go, of course, we, we dated and it was just disastrous and great all at the same time. And <laughs> so it fueled the whole just, you know, perpetuum of the moment. But I traveled with those guys for three and a half years and tour managed. And I started, I was just about to turn 21. And I learned a whole bunch real quick. I was going to say that's because that's a, that's a tough job. You know, it's a tough job for anybody. But you had to be learning every single day, every step of the way. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Jason was really good about, you know, he was just getting to the point where he his career could dictate having a tour manager. So he was learning, too, about, like, what he needed my job description to be. So that mm-hmm. was a real benefit, you know, because everything. And he's, he's really good about, uh, like, constantly teaching me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that part was great. And I just, I live in die for country music and so Mm -hmm. it was like the best situation i could have imagined the steel player that went out with us was in that band and i mean i had i call him pop sour his last name is boss sour um but i loved it i love to take care of people and playing and and i take a lot of pride in um doing my job correctly whatever it is that i'm doing and so it was it was fun when you get into management like that especially tour management you're really talking about managing a lot of details just planning ahead of time Mm -hmm. with rooms and schedules and dates and keeping everybody aware and in line uh can be an awful lot of work so that take can take a lot of discipline do you have where's the discipline come into your your life from i mean most artists have a real issue with discipline it sounds like you don't Oh, it just depends on if I got my mindset on something, really. Uh You know, I can be as flighty as anybody else. But I think a lot of that has to do with my upbringing. um, You know, I'm lucky now. I have a good relationship with my folks and stuff. But there were certainly some some years where things were, yeah. And I just didn't have a choice. If I wanted something, I could make it happen, you know. And Mm -hmm. I could make it happen, not in a ugly, repetitive way, just in a being grateful for every single step of it, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of way. And I just... 
I just don't think that they, I got one shot at this, you know. So I'm just, I believe in doing things well. So is it really going to be tough for somebody ever to take the job of being your tour manager? That you can, you, you know the. Oh ropes yeah, now. <laughs> I'm very worried. I, you know, it, because I just I work at it so hard. And luckily, like I mentioned earlier, the guys I've got playing with me, I've known my guitar players since I was four or five, and it was just weird how our worlds collided. So he, you know, my guys are we're all pretty close, so they can be pretty open and honest, and I trust them. But outside of that, it is real hard for me to delegate much, you know. Yeah. Well, you say you've known him since you were four or five. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, okay. So my, Oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was just one of my dear friends. We grew up. Uh, my grandmother and his mom went to the same little Baptist church, so by proxy, of course, we were there. And and oddly enough, our uh, rhythm section was like a honky tonk country swinging band it was so killer mm-hmm. we had upright piano and pedal steel every sunday and i think we both just kind of fell in love with it and then we went to different schools but uh, around college we were in the same commercial music program and it was so crazy to see him and, and now it's been it's been really cool to build a band you know with with guys that i'm really really close to right those relationships are, are critical to to having it work well and and being able to get mm-hmm. through the bumps uh, and bruises on the road too, and relationships. If you if you have it, the, if you're that close from the beginning, it makes life a lot easier. And it's yeah. so, it sounds to me like you there's no real first event that kind of brought you into music. It sounds like it's always been in your life, and you never chose it. It kind of chose you. You just were always there. I like to think that. It seems it feels presumptuous at times, you know, to think that about myself. But um, I yeah, I really did never feel like I had a choice. I mean, I certainly I like to grow my knowledge you know in other mm-hmm. areas but uh music's kind of it well at one time did you have a, another path were you thinking i'm going to go to college and i'm going to do something else well uh it's funny that you say that i when i first graduated i thought i'm going to be a teacher because teachers were i had some really great teachers and they were super constant and a really positive thing in my life kind of regardless of whatever my other situation looked like um so i thought that it would be you know rewarding to do that for somebody else but uh, I just I just couldn't shake the music thing, and right around the time I was going to start school, I met um, Dick Gimble, who is Johnny Gimble is like this incredible fiddle mm-hmm. player, played on all the country records. I love it's his son, and he remained a big mentor in my life. But before I started uh, getting that degree, he pulled me over to the commercial music mm-hmm. management program, and and honestly, I was in that program when I got that tour management gig. So well, that worked um, out well. And, yeah, and it's but actually I, last year I I went back to school. I, Chickasaw Indian and uh, the Chickasaws pay for an opportunity to finish a degree. So I oh, just cool. have gone back recently for uh, mental health because I kind of want to know what's wrong with me a little bit. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> oh, no, you'll ruin your songwriting. Don't worry about what's wrong. <laughs> Man, you know, it really is. I, I hope right now I feel like it's grown it because it was just such a it was a really necessary diversion. I worked, uh-huh. you know, pretty hard. So it was nice to think about other stuff. But and that's been yeah, I imagine. Too. And I think that every yeah. time you get a new perspective, though, it does it does give you new angles to write. It gives you a whole new mm-hmm. new perspective on situations. So, I think mental health is probably a great place to study for lyric ideas. Yeah, I love it. And what's really great is I'm in a situation where, you know, like the bills I have are very minimal because I just you know hop in a car and go to the next place. So I, I get to do exactly what I love. So I can get my degree as I want to. And, use it if I choose to or just you know kind of roll around in the knowledge of it so I, I really have liked it 
Okay, um, I'm going to play another tune, but before we do, I wanted to just touch on one other thing. I had noticed that you've done uh, or been involved with a music-based program for inmates in the Waco area. Uh, tell me a little oh, yeah. about that experience. Well, that actually goes hand-in-hand with this uh, going back to school. I had to do an internship um, this last semester, and um, locally there's a program through our MHMR um, center with the state that's like focused on reintegration. So people that are incarcerated but are about to get out in the next six to nine months, and it's kind of focused primarily on like substance abuse and that, you know, like recovering early traumas and stuff. But Mm -hmm. the thought is if you can go in and have therapy and, you know, help somebody grow before they're just released back into society with a whole bunch of stuff stacked against them, then maybe they won't recidivate, they won't go back. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just kind of developed this whole curriculum thing, and uh, it it turned out to be amazing. I just kind of thought, like, songwriting has certainly saved my life, you Mm -hmm. know, over and over and over again. So if I could share some of that with somebody or, you know, help, grow them or teach them to do that why why wouldn't i do that that's the least that i could do Mm -hmm. you know and give back to something that's always so gracious to me so it was really cool go ahead oh i'm sorry uh no i just every week we like picked apart songs i pulled in tunes from towns and guy clark and um we did that just kind of week after week and we just open for them talk about it and then at the end everybody wrote their own piece so it was pretty killer that's awesome so you actually developed that whole the whole little program or curriculum yeah, I spent my whole winter break like just in between sound check and you know wherever we were playing. I would just scribble down in this notebook the ways that I thought it could could work and develop that whole curriculum. Hmm. And is that something that's ongoing, or is it all we'll wrapped see, up? You for know, you? Oh, okay. Um, I don't know. It, this certain internship is uh, is over with, but the jail was super cool about it, and you know they pretty much any time I want to come do it, I think that that would be okay. And it, I grew so much because of it. I feel pretty sure I'll do it again um, and see, you know, how it grows. But right now I'm, I released this record right in the middle of finals week because I'm crazy. <laughs> and uh, I just, you know, couldn't spend another day not, not touring this record. So my main focus is this record right now. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Well, listen, I'm going to play a song and uh, <laughs> I want you to tell me about it because the title, I thought the title was just an incredible title. And that is a, uh, Things only years can teach a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, that song is really interesting. It's very, uh, <laughs> that has a bunch of layers to it, but um, I wrote that after a trip to the optometrist, actually, uh, <laughs> which is really strange. <laughs> That's cool. I had a, you know, like for a few months, I had health insurance a couple of years ago, which is a big deal in my That's business. That's a big deal and, for uh, a musician. Yeah. And so I just thought, like, I'm just going to go to all the doctors. I've never done this, and it's 10 bucks, and I don't do anything during the day. So I went to the optometrist, and I didn't know that they dilate your eyes. And I was much too prideful to say I didn't have a ride home. So I swam my way back home. And <laughs> I was just kind of stuck, you know. I couldn't see. And uh, so I thought, you know, it's 1030 in the morning, but there's beer in the fridge, and I can't go anywhere. So I'm just going to turn my phone off and hang out. It was so great. And I picked up my guitar, and I intended to play just an open D4 chord, and I missed. And I played this real hippie sus chord thing. And I was like, gross, you know. <laughs> Initially, it's nothing much. But it burst this whole tune. And then as we were arranging it, I dreamed that uh, we played that we tracked the singing bowl on it, like the Middle Eastern meditative. And I'd never heard of anything like that before, but I dreamed that we did it. And so then I did some research and they totally, that was a thing. I didn't even know it. So I found a singing bowl in the key of F and that thing that sounds like a chime is actually me playing that singing bowl. That is crazy. It is weird. (laughs) It's really weird. 
But then to, the title inspires it. Like you said, even even the title tells you there's layers. I mean, there could this could be a lot of comedy. There could be a lot of heartbreak. And it's interesting that you, as you grow, absolutely, uh, your perspective changes. And some lessons you only learn from a distance, you know. Yeah. Unfortunately, that seems yeah. to be, especially with the hard ones, that seems to be how it works. Yeah, it's true. All right, Kayla, well, let's take a, take a listen to this tune. This is also off of the Yesterday and Me CD that came out this month. The song is Things Only Years Can Teach a Woman. Let me lie my head on your chest for just a little while. It ain't wrong. See, I've been gone now for so long. When you'd made me have run away It's the sickness that I know pervades your mind I didn't want to leave and my nights have been lonely, darling But I couldn't sit back and watch you burn us both Some folks said I should have known better But those folks are better off not knowing cause But there are things that only years can teach one Like how she knows each time her man's done wrong When one or two Whispers, you're the only love 
listening to ROD coming at you live. And that was Things That Only Years Can Teach a Woman here on the Auto D Show by Kayla Ray. Kayla, that's just an incredibly wonderful song. I really like that. Thank you. A uh, couple more questions for you about uh, the tour you're on, the Pocket Knives and Pantyhose Tour. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was interested in, in uh, when you guys are wrapping up. Um, I think our last date is like the 27th, and that's back home in Fort Worth. Okay. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you arrived on the on the name of this tour. Well, Aaron and I played, uh, I guess I went up to Nashville uh, in February and I just, you know, trying to drum up some publishing meetings and figuring out anything about how that monster works. And um, so I went up and did that. We played a few gigs around and we played this little place in Kentucky. And we, you know, we had a great night and the craft beer was free. So uh, we, I remember Aaron was fueling gas and we were trying to think of something we were going to call it. She was fueling up and I leaned out the driver's side window. I was like, I got a pocket knife and pantyhose. <laughs> A drunken thing, <laughs> but it's perfect, really. Especially if you knew us, it, it makes it makes pretty good. Well, I think it's a great title. In fact, it, it gives you all kinds of images to shoot for the covers, the posters. You know, it's just yeah. a great title. <laughs> and I also noticed that you have a Kickstarter program going on. Well, actually, um, that it completed. That's how we oh, raised um, the budget. No, that's okay. Um, for both of these, uh, the records were actually both crowdfunded, so that was pretty awesome. Cool. That's a wild new deal, isn't it? Oh man, I, there's no way I could do it without everybody's support. Like that, it just wouldn't have been a possibility for me. So it's really, really amazing that you can do stuff like that. Yeah. And on this tour, what would you say compared to the other times you've been out? What's been the most difficult time or difficult thing this trip? Oh, you know, it's really a blessing and a curse. But we had this funny thing happen. We were uh, up in Montana, and we were trying to wind our way back down here towards uh, California. And we got lost, and we ended up um, in Yellowstone, like, just by complete accident. So that was beautiful. Um, and then it happened again the next day. Like, we had the craziest travel days. Um, and so in, within 24 hours, we were lost in both Yellowstone and Yosemite. <laughs> so that was <laughs> really interesting. But, um, you know, and if that's the worst of it, then I'd say it's been a success. I just, I love doing what I do. It's pretty hard to say, you know, that much of it is, is tough. Yeah, even the worst parts are just kind of funny. You get a song out of them at the best, you know. Oh, um, yeah. So now, it, in terms of uh, current singers out there, is there somebody mm-hmm. that uh, you enjoy listening to most or someone you admire? Oh, let's see, as far as current singers. Um, yeah, you know, I love all the, um, I really dig the Jason Isbell stuff that's been going on. Um, and a lot of that just Americana resurgent stuff mm-hmm. is really I, I enjoy it because uh, it's just people putting their neck out there and saying like, "Hey, I'm, there's still a human here making music." Right. You know, there's still be any, anything kind of in that vein. I and it really doesn't even matter what genre. I certainly like. I just kind of drown myself in country music most of the time. But I think if somebody's being truthful, I can I can get behind it. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't have to say, I guess that Isabel stuff is probably as far as current stuff. And that in Sturgill Simpson is really killing it. Um, and there's a guy, uh, Coulter Wall is his name. He's not, uh, he's on the same label that Cody Jenks is, but he just signed with them. But I just really love his stuff. He's he's young, but he sounds like, mm-hmm. like Towns and, uh, I don't know, like Tom Waits, if they were to combine it. Interesting. Just kinda, he's, I think he's great, and I love his writing, too. Well, maybe he is the answer to the next question I was going to ask you, and that would be, is there somebody out there that you've thought, boy, it would be fun to do a duet with them? 
Oh man, you know I hadn't even thought about that with him. Uh, there's a guy named uh, Charlie Crockett too that is just around, and it's he's just digging around all these old cover tunes that I grew up loving that nobody knows. These just real obscure tunes, and he's got like this Dixieland swagger to his delivery, and I think it, that would be really really fun mm-hmm. to try to collaborate that way. And is there a group um, that you think would be fun for you to open with? And uh, I mean, in terms of your career moving up. Uh, to larger venues, and, and uh, is there some place somebody you'd like to be on the road with? Oh, man. I mean, there are tons of them, pretty much, you know. I, I'm lucky enough that, like, I get to skate around and see these guys and different riders around and stuff, but mm-hmm. I really love what Cody Jinks and Marty Schaefer do when they go out to tour, and I'd, I'd really love to be a part of that. I Like, my end goal is to be the Jesse Coulter of this resurgence, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think that would be a real blast. That would be pretty cool. That, that's that's a, a great bar to set, I think. You know, she's yeah, out, you know. She's out here in the valley. Is she really? Yeah. So you oh, have to cool. yeah you have to run into her when you when you do your show. Um, in fact, speaking of doing shows, I have to put a little plug in here. Uh, I have a band, and it's kind of more of a pop band thing. We have a show coming up on June second at a place called BLK Live in Scottsdale, Arizona, and we play <laughs> at eight o'clock. And you can get tickets at my website, autod.com. It's an all-ages show, and there's a huge swimming pool right in front of the stage. So come in your swimming suits and jump in. It's a lot of fun. So uh, you're hearing some of that stuff in the background. There's, there's a violin and fiddle in some of my tunes, but they're not really country-sounding. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the most rock bit. But. So anyway, this is a shameless plug for a concert coming up uh, on June 2nd. I'm looking forward to And then your show that's coming up at Fiddler's Dream is on this mm-hmm. Thursday, actually, which is the 24th. Yep. And what time does that start? Uh, I believe the show runs from 7 to 9. Okay. And now is Aaron going on first, or do you guys play together, or what's the, what's happening? You know, I don't even, uh, we hadn't quite made up our mind. I think probably what we'll do is song swap, um, but there's also a Q&A section, which is going to be really neat. I mean, she's a wealth of songwriting knowledge, and I just sit there and get to be ridiculous, so <laughs> it's pretty fun. Yeah, I noticed um, they were advertising a Q&A afterwards. I thought that was really, really cool. Do you tend to find that you have a lot of writers in your audience when you play? Um, you know, it's pretty, it's a healthy balance, but I always love when I do. There's not a bigger compliment to me than somebody else that writes a song if they were to come up and say that they took something from it. Like, So uh, I try to be, you know, I love all the writers that I consider like the writer's writers, like Tom T. Hall or like Guy Clark, you know. Um, so I, I really love that kind of fellowship. So it's always really cool when there are other songwriters around. And do you have a website that people can find you at? Oh, yeah. Um, KaylaRayMusic.com has everything everything you're looking for. Okay. And are you, are you on Facebook and all, you know, all the other social media platforms? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And actually, all of those accounts are under Kayla Ray Music. also. The Instagram, Twitter, iTunes, uh, Facebook. Do you find yeah. it hard to keep up with all that stuff? I mean, like, is, do you have one you love or one you hate? Uh, I feel like Facebook's the most user-friendly, but probably just because, you know, I, that's what I came up with first. Um so that one, I'm, I guess I'm more partial to that one. Twitter moves so fast that it's kind of hard for me to spend enough time keeping up with it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's probably the worst in the least. I, I tend to really like Instagram, too. I, I get to do some pretty cool stuff or watch some pretty crazy things happen. So it's fun to document them that way, too. Yeah, it seems like fans really are into uh, following on Instagram with the stories and all. So it's it seems like mm-hmm. that's one of the most popular Um and then for people to get a hold of your music, what's the best way for them to reach you? Do you have going to iTunes or 
Spotify, or do you sell product off of your website? Um, actually, all of those things. Um, iTunes, Amazon, Spotify. You can order a hard copy. They make great coasters. I'll sell you a pack of four. Uh, you know, you can order that from the website. Pretty much any way you get your tunes, they're, they're around. Mm-hmm. And you have any, uh, when the tour is done, do you have any plans for upcoming projects? What's next? Oh, yeah. Um, I think uh, my focus for June is going to kind of be just, you know, radio stuff um, and kind of taking a breath. I took 14 hours last semester and did that curriculum and then released this record independently May 4th. And so um, I'm going to be ready for a nap, I think, by the time I get back. You're actually going to take the Uh, summer off. I will see if I can let myself do it. I really don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe. I I think I want to focus on, on radio in June and then. Um, in July, we're going to go back up into the Midwest and try to hook out west here again. So. Mm-hmm. Are you going back to school in the fall? Yeah, I think I will. I, you know, I hadn't really had any plans for it. I got took enough classes so that I could get my first certification if I choose to test with the state, and that was kind of my goal. But now I've loved it so much that, um, you know, it's just growing me, and I get to be around, you know, a bunch of different brands of people. So I, I really love it. I will not ever put that much on my load again, though, because I do feel like I negated live performances or I didn't perform as well as I could have given mm-hmm. my schedule. Um, so, but, you know, I kind of, if I continue just to dig it and I have the opportunity to do it, I, I may just keep on going until I can't anymore. Well, what kind of, what's the degree you would walk out with based on your studies? Uh, like in game, you know, I certainly I'd like to have um, at least my master's degree so I could you know, be a licensed therapist. If I wanted to be, I just love it. I find it interesting and certain things like that have really, really delivered me from a whole lot of like just toxic patterns, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd love to do that or even maybe to have a doctorate in psychology, which I know sounds silly because I, I may not even test, you know, to be a therapist, but I'd like to be equipped with the knowledge. It doesn't sound silly. In fact, you know, it's amazing. Um, the insight you get when you study other people. And that's kind of what mm-hmm. good songwriting is. A lot of times it's just observations. It's watching something happening and then telling that story in a, in a un- unique perspective, but it's a common story that you convey and everybody can relate to it. And I think in your studies, you're going to just find so much more of that uh, to write about. I uh, hope so. I really agree. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you one other thing I re- recall reading that uh, you were named new female vocalist of the year in 2015 by uh, T-R-R-M-A, and I'm, and I'm unfamiliar with that, so could you tell yeah, me? Yeah, that's just the, yeah, that's the Texas Radio Radio Association, uh, Association excuse me, that's down there, and so, um, yeah, that was really neat, I, especially with that first record, uh, and honestly, I had a gig booked that night, and, uh, you know, just said, I appreciate the nomination, I'm going to be, you know, wherever playing, and then the owner of the, the association called and was like, I really think you ought to be there. I was like, oh, yes, sir, I'll see what I can do. I hate to put the guys out of work. And he was like, I really think you should come. I was like, okay. <laughs> and even still, like, I was in the swimming pool like 45 minutes before the thing because I just never thought that, you know, I would win that. I was proud to be there. But, uh, yeah, so that was pretty funny. Very unexpected. That had to be neat. We're going uh, to be running out of time here in a little bit. I'd like to get in one more song. Um, okay. And I was thinking maybe I'm still a woman, but I'm open to play anything on the on the record that you'd rather play. No, man, whatever you dig, I'd, I'd be thankful. Okay, great. Well, we'll play this one, I'm Still a Woman. And again, this is off of the Yesterday and Me record that you can get at Kayla Ray's website. You can find it on iTunes. You can listen on Spotify. Check it out. And it's only been out for a month. Brand new music from Kayla Ray. <laughs> Thank you. 
great song thank you i just love how uh there's a lot of traditional influence but it doesn't sound like an old song man that's a huge compliment thank you it's just it's just a great track and your voice i mean i think there's a lot of that influence too in your style maybe part of it is your texas twang you know a little bit of the drawl but it just sounds wonderful it just sounds like something i'd heard my whole life but it sounds like a brand new version you know so i really enjoy it and and we're running out of time, so I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to uh, be on the show with me today. And uh, I'm going to come out to Fiddler's Dream. If I can, I've got a recording session that day, but I'm hoping it wraps up in time for me to get out there. And if anybody listening is uh, in the Phoenix area wants to get out to Fiddler's Dream and see Kayla, to be playing with Aaron, it's going to be an incredibly fun show, especially I think the Q&A is going to be awesome. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. Well, drive safe all the way from Sacramento, and I look forward to seeing oh. you on Thursday. Yeah, likewise. Thank you very much. All right. Take care.